0: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message.
1: Well, if you're visiting, I'm not pastor. He sends you his love. The men are in Texas on a men's trip, and so uh, they're having a good time. I talked to him yesterday. I didn't expect to call at all because sometimes you don't get Wi-Fi. And so uh, he calls me, and I just want to know two things. Is everybody having a great time? And what you eating? (laughs) Because I don't know what it is about men's and women's conferences, why the men get the steak and the beef, and we get, I don't know, tofu. Yeah, uh, yeah, and women why, wonder why they're always on a diet because they, they just we just serve you carbs. And so I'm like, "What you eating? Are you?" He's like, "We're eating good." I'm like, "Details. Did you have?" <laughs> so those of you men who didn't go on that trip, you're going to want to go next year because the eating's good. But he was laying in his room because he's like, "I pulled a muscle in my back playing basketball." I'm like, "Hmm. When was the last time you played basketball?" Yeah. So he used to he tells stories about me all the time, going, "I told you, you're not 19 anymore." rolling down the hill and now, it, now it's him going, you can do those things, but um, you need to be a little bit more limber. Amen. So uh, they will be on their way, they're on their way home this afternoon and we'll pick them up tonight. So let me see what else I have to do here. Oh, word and spirit. How did you guys love that? Was that amazing? Are you still eating uh, the food from that? I hear it's, it's all on podcast as of Friday-ish. Okay, so by Friday, it's late. Normally, we get everything up on Tuesday. So if you're looking for those services, they're all on podcasts. Now, you guys know you can share podcasts with somebody, right? You hit the little, I think it's the little square with the arrow. Ask Jen, but uh, (laughs) I've done it once, and then you can send it to somebody's, like, their email. If you're like, hey, this message, you know, your friend or family member was looking for, you can share it, and uh, if they won't want it, they can delete it, but you can share stuff on the podcast. Hey, how many of you know what's coming up Friday night? Nobody. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I will be here. Uh, And those of you that are enrolled LCU students, weekend university. Yeah. School. School is no longer out for the summer. So uh, if you are not an enrolled student, you can join us this weekend for a free class. Uh, if you're going to do that, though, you need to pick this form up. It's called Faith for Free. Fill it out in the source Center or see Chrissy for it. Uh, it lets you know a few details and also the skills calendar for the weekend. So you're not, uh, you're not able to join any class we have, but there are two classes. Actually, there's usually one, but there's two this weekend that are open to uh, the congregation that are not enrolled students. And so one of those is Christ-like character, and the other is true worship. So uh, if you want to know who's teaching those, then you need to come to character, because that would be... Y'all are like, I'm just, you never know when I'm messing with you. I'm messing. No, I'm really not messing with you. But yeah, if you care who's teaching it, that's a character problem. Come to Christ like character. <laughs> okay, awesome. Pastor's like, be nice. But, you know, we, we, what, what's on the menu this morning? Steak. What's on the menu tonight? Steak. You know, I don't like chicken. I like chicken, but chicken is very light. Chicken is lunch food. Okay, we have Sunday dinner, so when when I'm here, we eat steak. But hang on, sugar's coming. Spoonful of sugar, and his name is Pastor, makes the medicine go down, right? Okay, so... Uh faith for free. So you know what though? It's such a privilege for pastor and I. We love uh, ministering to the LCU students. And those of you that come and you join in on a class, uh, I just want to tell you how much more you're going to grow than sitting in a Sunday service. And here's the reason. You're sitting alongside people that have sacrificed financially and time-wise for the word. Not necessarily sitting alongside a congregation member in in another church that doesn't serve, doesn't tithe, doesn't bring a supply. Okay, when students have paid tuition and they have sacrificed time, and, and it's a lot when you're an adult and you're going to work, you know, 60 hours a week, and you've come and you've paid to hear more about the word of God. Their faith level and expectancy far exceeds that of a Sunday morning service. I'm just gonna be honest. And so uh it, it pulls on us. There are things that we teach and we preach that you will never hear on a Sunday because they're pulling on the gift inside of us. It has nothing to do with us. We always bring in bring in the uh the mojo, but you or Mo, you boast to bring Joe. And so, um, If you're sitting alongside in the classroom, that's why you'll experience a level of impartation and endowment that you will never experience, not even during the Word and Spirit Conference. So I just encourage you, uh, if you want to grow, uh, you want to put the pedal to the metal. You know, if you feel the need, the need for speed, this is the year of acceleration. And uh, one thing I've I've been refreshing myself on, and you might want to do this too, is uh, the prophecies that came forth from the men and women of God that are prophets to the nation or to the world. One being our brother, Uh, brother Copeland, and he's talked about this year accelerating. It began in 18, 19, and he also said that it would increase in acceleration into 2020. In other words, if you think things are going to level out and slow down, you're mistaken. They're going to continue to speed up. Well, what's required when things have sped up is accuracy. Accuracy must come before speed, and if you are going at a fast pace, how many of you have ever just felt like flooring your Maserati Okay, the other day I saw a Maserati pulled over on the side of the road. I was like, that, that's sad, <laughs> tragic. It was broke down. I was like, there's just something wrong about a Maserati being broke down. And, uh, and so it was on the side of the road. But um, when you are, are, your Maserati is doing 185, if you are slightly inaccurate in your direction, we're going to have a problem, right? You and everybody else. So as things accelerate, you got to be accurate, If you're not accurate, your life is tore up in everybody else's life. So there isn't an option. Satan would make Christians believe, well, I'll just step out of this race. I'll just take a seat on the bleachers, and I'll just watch. The kingdom of God, the Bible says, does not come with observation. It comes with full participation. So Jesus said, in or out, hot or cold, choose. But middle ground was not an option. So we want to increase in accuracy, Amen. Okay, so you've got your uh, prayer list, and we're going to do our tithes and offerings. But hey, I want to tell you something. Kayla, raise your hand, love. Those of you that don't know, Kayla has been with us for... Uh, a little bit more than two years, she came down from North Carolina to attend Bible school. And next Sunday, she will be returning home. So this is our last week. And uh, she actually stayed longer than she planned. She was supposed to go home a little bit earlier. But, um, you know, we're fond of her and she's fond of us and she didn't want to go. But we all have to do what God tells us to do. And so when she first joined us, we knew it was the will of the Lord. And we spoke often and, and much publicly and privately about her returning to help her pastor, whom we know and love. And uh, the reason you see people that come from other areas and go to LCU and RBI is because as our pastor travels around the world, as his pastor is, he invites them to do so. And together they give scholarships for that. So Kayla was here on a scholarship to RBI and served here, and she has been a true blessing. Over the years, I could not stand here and say that everyone going home uh, was uh, uh, always so delightful. Um, I was helping them pack and, and bought them the Louis, and helped them pack it. But uh, <laughs> Kayla is one of those that it was, it's hard to let her go because she's been such a blessing to us. So the reason I'm telling you week ahead is um, Bible school students need food and gas on the way home. So if you feel led to give a Holy Ghost handshake uh, to this precious young lady, we want to further. And she is going home to work uh, in her church at a greater level. And we had a nice long conversation this week. And uh, as she didn't know, we help many churches. I'm often on the phone for hours uh, helping mom and dad delay and Jay Hoskins, as you all know, setting up their ministry of service, setting up their Bible schools. And so we train even ministry of service from a distance. So we'll be working with Kayla over the next couple of years, helping Pastor Phil set up his soul winning program and his, his service team and all those things. So we will see her often and uh, know that your, your fruit is going into the future in North Carolina, and he's grateful that she was one that returned. Because one thing pastors say to us is, everybody leaves, but no one comes back. <laughs> and we told him that we'd send her back, so we got to keep our promise, right? And um, so she's going. So whatever the Lord leads you to further her on her way is, and your mama will be here, right? We love mama, and coming, uh, coming to get her, and then uh, we'll see her on the mission field and such. Okay, so it's a, it's a cause of rejoicing. Amen. All right, so let's uh, receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Thank you, Josh, for the little table. So um, I know you need a separate title for this because we always list our tithes and offering messages separately. This is called Simple Math. Okay. And I know people say you need to write a little mini book for all your wisdom nuggets. I will as soon as I get a spare five minutes. Yeah, it's called, I already have, I have the title at least, Chunk Change and Chunky Money. Okay, so little wisdom nuggets about uh, finances. And why do we talk about it? Why does pastor take the time to talk to you about your finances every week? Uh, John said, beloved, I wish above all things that thou prosper and be in health. Two things that Satan was going to attack you daily, if not hourly in. First thing is your money. The second thing is your body. So uh, the whole church service we have here is all a worship service. Worship isn't the worship service. That's music. So we come in here to worship God with the sacrifice of praise. Then we worship God with our tithes and offerings. Then we worship God with putting our attention, attending to the word. The whole thing is worship. And it shows us how to further ourselves. So go to Hebrews 7 two, if you would. And it says, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth. People's like, is tithing in the New Testament? Yes, the word tenth is there and the word tenth in the Greek translates directly into tithe. So tithe means tenth. Part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness. That word first means Abraham gave in the first time, in the first order of place, in the first order of importance, the tenth. This is what Abraham did. So when you get your paycheck on Friday, the very first check you write is tithe. Because what does that say? What was he doing? It says he was honoring God. In other words, God, it doesn't matter who else, me, my wife, my kids, need or want anything, you first. As an honor, see, people think money is a dollar issue. Money is an honor issue, not a dollar issue. Jesus said he gave you the power to get wealth. He gave you the breath. He gave you the legs to get up and go get that wealth. Abraham understood who gave him the power to get what he had. So why would he not honor God first saying, I remember that I have this dollar because you gave it to me. So he said, you first, because God is first. And what did God say about the man that would honor him? He said, you honor me and I'll honor you. So Abraham understood this. And Abraham was not saved and not filled with the Holy Ghost. So we have a better understanding. So it was indicative, that word means of affirmation. So Abraham was going so far even to say, God, I affirm you as first place. I just don't give you lip service. Oh God, you're first in my life. And there's nothing that shows you that that you're first. Because where your treasure is, your money is, there your heart is. So when God has your money, uh, all of it, it shouldn't just be a, a tie, that's God's part, but um, he sh- all of it, you should say, God, I'm yours to command. That includes all of my money. So what would you like done with the other 90%? Yeah, but as soon as everybody's doing the 10%, Pastor and I will start talking about what to do with the 90 Yeah, first things first, right? Accuracy before speed. Okay, so Abraham, Jesus calls him our father. And he says, you're children of Abraham. So you partake of the same covenant. But notice when it says you're partakers of the same covenant, heirs of the promise. Heirs of the promise, not the tangibleness of the promise. So if I promise Josh something in my will, that doesn't mean he's going to get it. See, God said it's available to you. But there's every promise has a condition. So you're not heirs of the stuff. You're heirs of the promise. But what you do depends on whether you get the stuff or not. So we walk around going, I'm, I'm, the, I'm blessed of Abraham. It's mine, whatever. Well, you didn't look like you're driving the blessing of Abraham or, or wearing it or living in it. Why? Because you haven't learned how to access the tangibleness of the promise. You've just given it lip service without meeting the condition. It's good that we confess scriptures uh, to bring them into our life before we have the manifestation of it, but not disconnecting from the manifestation. Confession brings possession, but we need to understand how to get the possession of it and not just uh, give lip service like we're a parrot. Now say, I'm prosperous, and you go, I'm prosperous but you don't know how to get prosperous. Okay, so that's why pastor takes so much time helping you uh, it, not just know you're an heir of the promise, but how do you actually obtain the promise? Abraham gave a tenth, a tithe of all his increase, before he did anything else with the increase because it was the most important thing to him in his time. So if I, if I have, um, and we talk about God is an, is an adder and a multiplier. Satan is a divider and a subtractor. So they're both involved in math. And you're, you probably wish you paid more attention in school right now. <laughs> okay, so they're both involved in math. But you need to know which side of the you know, proverbial coin they're on. So I've got um, a dollar's worth of dimes here. So if I have this dollar and I give God a dime. Now most people struggle right there. They just think, well, I don't have to really give them the dime. You are 100% correct. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to heaven. You do not have to stop at the stop sign. But there will be consequences <laughs> to everything. But you have been given a free will. Okay, so those that give people a dime, uh, that give God a dime, there's another group of people that, that have a, a gap problem, an issue. They think, well, okay, I'm going to give God a dime because I guess I just have to, I'm obligated, so I'll have to live on 90 cents. And I'll just make do with 90 cents. God does not need your money, You need to give it to him so he can meet your need. He's not needy. You're needy. Okay. So he has a plan. So when you put that one dime in his hands, you're not left with 90. So God's a multiplier. Yes? Yes. So, in the word, there are many sums mentioned in multiplication. If you believe the the verse 30, 60, and 100-fold is about money, it's not. It's about, it could be applied. It's about the so or so's the word. Jesus explained it right under there. He didn't mention money. Uh, So, if we said, well, there's a 30-fold denomination, a 60-fold denominator, and a 100-fold denominator... Yeah, if that's your level of faith, stick with that. I prefer over there in Genesis where God told him He would multiply them a thousand times more than they are. So if maybe you want to take the thousandfold denominator, or if you have great faith, because Jesus talked about no faith, weak faith, little faith, great faith, you can choose your level of faith. Maybe you want to apply the verse exceedingly abundantly above all that we asked or thought, so there's no limit to your multiplication. But for simple math's sake, let's do just a tad of multiplication. So let's say we give God uh, our dime. And he multiplies it back to us by the lowest common denominator of faith, 30. This dime gets me $3. Now, I have not 90 cents, $3.90. Now, you don't have to give God your dime. You can keep your dollar. Or you can have $3.90. How many of you ever watched Let's Make a Deal or The Price is Right? Okay, this doesn't take a lot of brain cells to rub together and get some sparks off of. Okay? On how God works. So uh, you can uh, do that. So let's do it by a larger sum. You give God, uh, you make $500 a week and your tithe would be $50 a week, which leaves you intellectually with $450. So let's multiply that again by the weakest level of faith. 50 times 30 is what? 1500 And now you have your 450 plus the 1500 Now you have 1950 So which would you prefer? Door number one, your 500 Or door number two, $1,950. Simple math. Amen. And you're like, well, I give that, and the next week, my boss didn't write me a check for that. It doesn't always come in money, but it will always include money. So the devourer's rebuked in your body. It's rebuked in deterioration. The Israelites didn't need shoes for 40 years. Now, we shop for shoes. It's not a matter of need for women. (laughs) Need has nothing to do with it. It's do we want that, okay? (laughs) But, um, so they had no fun for 40 years in the shoe shopping department because they didn't need any shoes. But their stuff didn't wear out. So everything you have, if you want it to last, your appliances, your car, it doesn't have to wear out. So it, how about the devourer rebuked in your areas of relationship? How about promotions not getting stolen from you? So the, this multiplies back into your life. God is very interested in you advancing in every area, physically, spiritually, emotionally, winning in life, ruling and reigning in your job, having the highest promotion in your job so that he's glorified because you're a Christian, having the largest amount of pay, more pay than, they, than the company's ever given before. We don't know why, we're just giving you a raise. We just don't pay this much. You're like, I know. Yeah, and if they want to know, you'll tell them, but if not, then zip it so you don't be weird. But, uh, (laughs) and so God does not need this, but you need to put it in the hands of the multiplier, the loaves and two fishes. You do not have the ability to ever earn enough money to take care of the plan of God in your life. You can, however, earn enough money to have your little two bedroom, one bath apartment and you four no more. But if you're going to have a plan of God for your life, which you all do, and some of that plan is always to be a blessing to someone else Amen. that doesn't have. You're not going to fulfill the plan of God in your life by your own might and power. I don't care if you are to have a doctorate from Harvard and you're 50 years old and you make six figures. God will always ask you to do more than is in your power so he gets glory. Yes. So if it's within your power, you're not in the will of God. Right. You want a little more math? I love math. So let's say you have a hundredfold faith though. This is good because this is what we're moving toward, right? So we take 10 cents times 100. That's $10 added back to your 90 cents. So maybe you've been tithing for a while and you can believe God that every time you put in your 10%, God's going to give you at least 100 and fold. Now you have $10 and 90 cents. So what do you want? Keep your dollar or have $10 and 90 cents. Door number one, wisdom. Door number two, stupidity. There's a line, and sometimes it's a little gray. Yeah. So if you make five hundred dollars a week, and you take fifty dollars, and you're a tither, and you get a hundredfold return, anybody know the math on that? Five thousand. So God's five thousand plus your four fifty. Mmm, pretty pretty good return. Yeah. And so anybody ever been in a financial situation, I'm talking about givers uh, here, and that uh, you do not know, you cannot explain to your accountant or to your family or anybody how all this stuff in your life got paid for, and you didn't steal it. Oh, no shoplifting, no five-finger discounts. No, they gave you back the wrong change at McDonald's, and you thought it was the blessing of the Lord when there was an extra 20 in there. Yeah. Yeah. that's how we live. One year, I was, uh, in, uh, when I was still doing cosmetology, my accountant, best accounting firm in the country, Sanford and Odell, D. Joyce Meyer and everybody, uh, said to me, you are uh, making more money every year, but you're not raising your prices. How is that? Law of sowing and reaping. Amen. Yeah. If, if God, and I'm not against raising prices when God told me to do that, that's what I did. But, uh, I could just sow my way to, and, and I wasn't working any more hours. You can work more hours and make more money, but eventually you're going to run out of hours. Yeah. In your day. So, uh, how many of you paid attention in school when they taught you about compound interest? Compound interest got nothing on God because this blows the door off because 3% compound interest, that's good money, but that's not good enough for God's plan in your life. So, uh, in other words, God, God leaves it up to you. So if you want to know, what else is God going to bless me besides the money? Well, we don't have enough time. That's Deuteronomy chapter 8. Read the whole chapter. The list is very long of the blessings of God. Blessed in the city, blessed in the country. You're just blessed. He covered everything. So that's what your tied does. It rebukes the devourer. God is interested in blessing you, but he can't unless you follow his instructions. So always remember that money is not a dollar issue. It's an honor issue. Amen? So let's receive... Uh, the tithes and offerings are worship the Lord. And you know, when you put your tithes and offerings in the bucket, don't do it without faith. Some people are doing it and they can't figure out why they're not reaping. It's not an automatic. It's not a slot machine. God, I'm just paying my tithes here. That's why you hear pastor and I say, go grow and I'll see you soon. Money has a voice. Therefore, money has an ear. I talk to it. So that's going into my future, and it's coming back to me on, on every wave. So when you, when you prepare your tithe at home before you come in there, that's when you can start putting your faith on it and praying over it. So by the time you've even gotten in here, you've already prepared that like Abraham did, and you've already brought it. But don't put tithes or offerings in the bucket without faith, because without faith it's impossible to please God. And so faith is the mixing ingredient and in everything spiritually to make it work. So put your faith on it. Lord, thank you that you gave me the power to get that. And thank you that you have the power to multiply that and get it back to my life. Press down, shaken together, running over. Do you give back to me through the hands of men? And and you decide what your harvest is going to be. Amen? And you keep your mouth on that. And if you need to go home and and write it down, and the awesome thing is it's probably written down in your Excel sheet or your whatever because you pay taxes at the end. You know how much you gave. You can boldly take that before, before the throne of God. Father, I not only gave you what you said was yours, what you needed from me, my five loaves and two fish to multiply back to me, but here's the alms I gave to the poor and here's the offerings I gave to your house. And so, Lord, I'm standing on the covenant. Now... You're not an heir of just the promise. You're an heir of the tangible goods of the covenant. Amen? Amen? All right, you should have got ready in that time. All right, ushers serve the people. Thank you all for all of you that served word and spirit. Pastor uh, gives his thanks. I mean, there wasn't a single job. Toilets were clean, desserts were made, decor was put up, uh, ushering. So every person in the body has a part for those conferences. And um, how many of you have figured out that the more you serve, the more you receive out of a service? Yeah, and it's, it's a spiritual principle. So there's no way to get ever burn out serving. Your life may burn you out. But it wasn't serving in the church. And so the more we serve, the more refreshed that that we are. And so um, thank you all for just coming together as a body. It was an amazing conference and we all ate good and the ministers were blessed. We have the top ministers around the world that... um, come here and actually even more that covet to preach here that we just don't even have the time or slots. We get calls a lot from, and, and not that we don't want to have them back. Again, it's a difference of how, how many times can you do that. But uh, the one thing that they consistently tell us is that uh, it is the, the easiest place they get to go to preach. Because the first of all, our pastor puts no boundaries or limits on them because we want to get our money's worth, right? Out of the, how foolish is that to limit uh, somebody's gift? We, we want to receive all And they're not used to that kind of liberty, but um, he prepares you all so well on how to receive and pull on them and that you honor them. Um, When it's flowing out of a minister, when the water, when the hose is watering the flowers, the hose gets wet. So they are so refreshed by um, how we pull on their gift that things come out of them that they'll write down that they'll tell us over dinner. My wife never said, never preached that before. And I've been sitting there 20 years, yeah. So that, that that's commendable that you've uh, received what pastors try to teach you and apply. It. So they're blessed here. But Carrie has a testimony. Is that on?
0: Yep. Hello. Hi. <laughs> okay. So um, afterward in spirit, I don't know if you guys know if the congregation so. knew that. Um, do you guys remember Z and Gabe? That attended here. Miss um, Z ended up going home to be with the Lord earlier. Um, so Monday morning was her funeral after Word and Spirit. And just because Word and Spirit was really busy, I hadn't really connected with anyone and asked, like, hey, do you guys know her funeral's Monday? Whatever. So um, my friend Jamie uh, is my brother's girlfriend as well. Um, she knew Z. They grew up together. So that was kind of like small world, something we had connected over. So we go Monday, meet up with her, we go Monday, and to my surprise, there's Pastor and Chrissy sitting there, and I'm like, hi. So we go in, and we sit down next to Pastor, and literally, I could feel, like, peace and love from Pastor, and he's like, you know, he, here we are sitting at a funeral, you know, our, we're in our heart, kind of upset about things that are going on and pastor is like I can just feel love and peace going from him and so I introduce him to my sister and I'm like hey you know this is Jamie you know she's got a few ailments going on in her body but you know he's like okay you know hi connect so 15 minutes later Jamie kind of comes and sits down and pastor turns around he's like so I heard you have a tumor in your leg and she's like "Mm, my foot and he's like okay he's like well what the doctor say She's like, well, that the tumor has completely outgrown the bone, and the bone is shattered, correct? So the the tumor had taken over the the bone completely. And so Pastor's like, well, give me your foot. I'm going to pray for you. And Jamie's like, okay. (laughs) So you know how Pastor's like, you know, starts praying for her. And she's like, you can see it in her face. She's like, well, I felt that, goosebumps. And he's like, well, go ahead, move it. So She's moving it. He's like, does it hurt? And she's like... Well, not at, not at the top. The bottom kind of hurts, So He's like, all right, give me your foot. Praise for her again. And she's just, like this time, she kind of is, like, looking over at me, like, my my foot doesn't really hurt anymore. And so then Pastor went ended up praying with her, and she accepted the Lord um, that morning and everything. And so then, that evening, I'm about to run, and she texts me, and she goes, it's the weirdest thing, Carrie. She goes, I hope, this isn't, I hope this is real. Like, I'm literally in no pain. Like, I'm in excruciating pain every single day, and I am in no pain. We'll see how this goes tomorrow because I have to work all day, and I'm going to wear my heels. <laughs> so she gets off after work. She gets done, and she goes, well, it's. Uh, I feel a little bit of the lump in my foot. And she goes, but I'm in nowhere in the pain that I usually am. And so for me personally, you know, when it's so close to home and, you know, I sit here day in and day out and yes, we do missions, but like when it's family next to you who, you know, who has been in pain and suffering and, you know, and all of a sudden through that, it's just, you know, she's, she's healed. So I just wanted everyone to get some of that glory too.
1: So. Amen. So we didn't use up all the anointing for word and spirit. <laughs> no such thing. run out. Have to wait to get some more. Um, and Pastor said that uh, about twenty-five to thirty people raised their hands to for uh, salvation. So it's good. He he likes to do funerals of no one here. Just qualifying. You're not allowed to to die. We don't have time for that. Okay, <laughs> we're busy. All right, all right. Turn to Second Corinthians two eleven. in your weapons manual. Second Corinthians. The title is Ignorance is Not Bliss. How many of you have heard the world have a saying, ignorance is bliss? Not true. Ignorance is not bliss. Does Proverbs not say you perish for lack of knowledge? I don't think perishing and bliss are synonyms. Could be wrong, but I don't think so. We could Google it right now. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Just because the world says something or mama said something, we don't need to repeat that, Right? Second Corinthians 2.11 says, to keep Satan from getting the advantage on us, we are not to be ignorant of his devices. So to keep Satan, that means that's his job to try to get an advantage over you. And that word advantage in the Greek translates a reach over. Come here, Mel, let me use you. So uh, you can be in your, going on your merry way in life as a Christian and, um, Enjoying the word and the spirit and believe that, you know, you're doing all the things that you need to be doing. So the Bible says that uh, Satan is going to attempt to get the reach over you. He's going, he is going, he can get a reach over you. And it's the same thing as, as people saying, uh, crack kills, you know, don't let, don't let Satan have an entrance. Okay. But notice that her back is to me. So Satan's always working. And so she's holding on to what she would consider, this is something good. So let's say this is a bang. (laughs) Melanie likes bangs. And I'm going to come up here because she's not totally paying attention. She might be looking forward, but she's not looking back. And I'm going to get the reach over her before she even knows it. So thank you, Mel. The Bible says that there's a way to keep him from reaching over you. So we want to know. And The Bible says not to be ignorant Of Satan's devices. That word says ignorant. It means don't ignore and don't have a lack of information. So when we stand before the throne of God, uh, some people think they're going to say, well, I didn't know. I assure you, the throne is a baloney free zone. You are not going to say some of the things that you think you're going to say to excuse throughout. You will know that you are without excuse. Because you already know that God will say, you had a Bible. There's a Bible in Walmart, everywhere. You could read it. It's not the pastor's fault that he didn't tell you everything. So none of us are going to be without excuse that we had a lack of information. Even if you needed help interpreting the information... There is, you are surrounded by help, at least in this country, if you're sitting here, by someone that can help you interpret the information. So we are not to ignore and have a lack of information of his devices. Those device That word devices means a baffling backward wind. When the Bible speaks of whoosh, the wind of the spirit breathe, he breathes life. But Satan does whoosh, too, because he's a counterfeiter. And what happens... We're baffled, confusion, and it causes our step backward. Okay, so his devices are to cause a baffling backward win. Know that confusion, if confusion comes upon you, you did something to get into that state. Confusion is the refusal to make a decision. It doesn't come on you instantly. It's because you were double-minded and wavering. Is it God? Is it me? Is it God? Is it Satan? And if you stay in that state just a little bit, then confusion sets over you. Then you, you, you can't figure out soul and spirit. So what do you do? You go back to the word... Hebrews 4.11 says, the word divides between the soul and the spirit. This is very easy to go, is that God? Is that me? Is that Satan? Is that God? You take the word and you divide it. It's the sword that cuts that. It's not hard. It's not confusing. It's done instantaneously. Is that in the word? Then it's God. If it's not in the word, it's, it's not God. So you measure it. If you need help finding the measuring device, then you ask pastor, where is the scripture? That will divide that. So a baffling backward wind. His wiles and intentions are his purposes. Does God have plans, purposes, and pursuits for your life? Yes. So does Satan. Satan's a great counterfeiter. He, God listed his devices. Satan's plan for you is to steal the word, number one. Because if he steals the word, he can steal the things. Okay, the things are attached to the word. Matthew 6, 33. Uh, and then he wants to kill all that's good and of God in your life, kill the seed of the word, and then he wants to destroy. You're like, well, why is it listed in that order? Steal, kill, and destroy. When you destroy something first, you're interpreting the Bible again by American English vernacular, and it, that doesn't work. So first he can steal the soil, the word. This parable of the sower, yes? So the thief comes, what? To steal the word that was just sown in your heart. That's what Jesus explained in the parable. That's the thief. He's come to steal the, the word that's sown in your heart. Then what does he do next? He attempts to kill the body. you think like, well, that should be the last thing. No, that's not the last death. The Bible talks about two deaths, the second death. Destroying is, it applies to the spirit. That you would see the second death, which is hell. So if you're saved, you will never see the second death. Every man sees the first death. It is appointed a man once to die, unless you're going in the rapture. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that's where I'm going. Yeah, if if the the creek don't rise and the Lord don't come, right? (laughs) And so we're not going to be ignorant of his devices. He gains the, Jesus took away the upper hand from him, but he gets the upper hand again by us choosing to remain ignorant, not being ignorant. And people always say, well, you shouldn't say that word. No, there's a difference between stupid and ignorant. Ignorant is uninformed, but Jesus says you don't have to be, so you have to choose to be ignorant too. Stupid is you were informed and chose not to believe. Crazy is when you were informed, chose not to believe, and made up your own beliefs. That's in Marie's Webster's dictionary. This is my definition of (laughs) it. So um, if we were a baseball team here, we're a family, we're a military unit in this building, we're the family of God, we're company A, military unit, the Bible describes us in those terms, but let's pretend in the natural that we were actually a a church softball team, and we were going to play all the other churches uh, in in the leagues, and and Monday we got to go play uh, second cousin removed first church of the Nazarene, okay? Okay. And um, so what would we do? So our pastor, who's a good coach, is going to say, now I'm going to show you some video. I I snuck over to their ball field last week when they were playing the Presbyterians. And I took out my little phone and I was, you know, taking video, you know, because I wanted to get there. You want to pay attention to their first three batters? because those are the batters, uh, and, and then the fourth batter, because those are the batters that can hit specifically. We want to get on base, so we're going to find out where's their strong stuff and where's their weak stuff, because when we get up, we want our batters in the right line, and we want to make sure our batters can hit to their weak spot, and we have everything stacked in our favor. What are we doing? Studying the enemy, so to speak, studying the opposition. Don't they do that in football? Don't they do that in the military? Yeah, and that's wisdom. So, but Jesus didn't tell us to study Satan Well, we're going to read the Quran, and we'll just read uh, Anton LaVey's most recent writings and stuff like that. But people do that. I've had Bible school students tell me, well, I'm going to study uh, Josephus. Um, They didn't make it very long in school, even after Pastor and I said, don't do that because that's not the Bible. And if God wanted you to study that and make your life about, he would have told you. And I'm not saying education is not good in history. It's important, but it's not the most important thing. The word of God is. And so uh, Jesus listed everything we need to know about our enemy in here. So we are to not be ignorant, but we're not to go outside here to find truth about our enemy. Because nobody else but God is telling you the truth. Satan's not going to tell you the truth about it himself, is he? No, everything Satan says to you is a lie. So people are like, well, Satan said that to me. Well, that was your first clue it wasn't true. It's impossible for him to tell the truth. It's only possible for him to make the truth the, a lie look like the truth. He's the angel of light. He's going to make it look like the truth. But that doesn't make it the truth. Amen. Amen. That's right. So we would study. Uh, we do not give Satan personal attention. But we attend to the word. So go over to Proverbs 4.20. Did Jesus coach the disciples on all these things? Yes. Yeah. The rest of it uh, he left to Paul. Paul wrote church doctrine. Paul wrote church behavior. Paul, all two-thirds of the New Testament were to instruct us how to live as Christians. I mean, little stuff. What you eat, what you drink, you don't sleep with your father's wife, all these behavioral things that we thought we would just know once we got saved. How many of you figured out you just didn't know the right thing to do when you were born? You didn't know how to talk. You didn't know how to eat. Somebody had to teach you, hopefully. Well, you have to be taught when you're born again, you just don't know everything there is to know. So uh, we have to be instructed. Proverbs 420 says what? Attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. That actually means to do like this lean in, put your eyeballs on it and listen to it, that you're going to have to give that kind of attention. And if I'm busy giving that kind of attention to the word, can Satan get a reach over me? The price of victory is watchfulness. So when we're not watching and we just think we're watching, oh, we're good. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm in the house of God. Satan's going to get the reach over you because it's his job to be watching. And he, is, he only has one job. He's not distracted. He cannot schedule your destruction, but he can schedule your distraction. He's the master of distraction. And we live in, a, do we not live in a society where there's more distractions than ever? And many of them under the name, the umbrella of Christianity. Just because you write tomato soup on the can doesn't mean there's tomato soup in there. Yeah. Anybody ever opened a container in the refrigerator you thought was one thing? <laughs> And there was a whole other thing in there. Either it was no longer in its original original form in the container because it had gone bad, or somebody decided they'd use the orange juice glass container and reuse it because that's a poverty mentality instead of just throwing it in the trash. And uh, you chug a lugged it. I eat out of the cottage cheese container because, A, I'm the only one. I know it's people. I'm the only one who eats it, okay? So if you come over to my house and you want cottage cheese, I just wouldn't if I were you because I've already eaten out of it. you yeah. <laughs> people, guys, chug out of the milk carton and the OJ carton? Okay, there may be a surprise in there, right? <laughs> okay, so just because it says one thing on the label. <laughs> and that reminds me of the story of, uh, oh, this is good. See, I, don't, I only get to tell stories on pastor when he's gone, but uh, his versions are part of the story, but then not the whole story, okay? And so uh, he's always playing pranks on everybody, and so the law of sowing and reaping works in his life, but he's hard to get. So uh, it all hasn't caught up with him yet, but I think it's starting to accelerate in his life. And so uh, he had a, you know how he used to drink those like Red Bulls or those little energy cans, of something, Well, um, he had one sitting by his chair, and we were in the airport on, on the way to one of the missions trips, and Pastor Josh had uh, needed to expectorate and thought this would be a good container because he thought it was empty, okay? It had just a little bit in it, thought it was empty, and he used it to expectorate in and... <laughs> didn't think about, he was not trying to do anything to his dad, but didn't think about telling his dad. So his dad sits back down and, you know, you shake, oh, there's a little bit left because you just paid $3.50 for that. You're drinking every last drop. (laughs) And he takes a swig. And as he's doing that, Josh looks at him from about 10 feet away. You know how you're like, (laughs) but you're not going to make it. (laughs) He chugs it and then it comes right back out. And he's like, oh my God, what is that? <laughs> like I said, it said Red Bull, but it was more than Red Bull in there. Okay, So, <laughs> so uh, what is Satan's strategy for uh, causing, uh, getting the reach over in our lives? Let's go to Acts 11. I usually forget all these things until I'm preaching and the Holy Ghost just tells me these. I was like, oh, this will, we can sandwich this in here. This will fit. Acts chapter 11. We see uh, the church multiplying. We see in Acts chapter 11, uh, the Gentiles now have come on the scene and received Jesus, yes? And they're receiving Jesus and they're receiving the Holy Ghost. So know this the attack always comes to stop growth, to stop multiplying in your life. So uh, as long as you're, you're deciding to grow in any area, uh, physically, spiritually, or naturally, the attack is going to come to your life. So it should be every day because you decide to be a person of growth in all areas. The attack comes to stop growth because growth from God brings multiplication to your life. So what is the method that he does that to? In Acts 12.1, it says this. Now, about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands. That word hand always translates power. So the king stretched forth his power and authority to vex, which means injure, harm, and hurt certain of the church. Highlight that word certain. He wasn't doing it to everybody in the church. He stretched forth his hand to attack certain people and not others. Who did he go after? James. James. And so James was the head of the church. So he had James beheaded. And then when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he decided to go after Peter. And that's how Peter ended up in prison. So uh, the Christian church was not very watchful. It could not afford to have its number one leader taken out. But they woke up when they lost James because they realized they weren't watching at this point. Acts chapter 6, the church is still fairly watchful. By the time you get to Acts chapter 12, and you're getting about 15 years. Acts 20 is about 17 years. We got a little casual, got a little comfortable, and sometimes you get too big for your britches. And so uh, they were not watchful. So James is beheaded. He was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, so that was the top leader. And Peter is in prison. And how we know the church woke up is they decide to stay up all night and pray. They thought, this is gone fast, and this is going to accelerate. So Peter is in prison, and uh, Herod didn't have any intention to stop there. So Jesus did not play favorites, but Peter, James, and John had distinct roles. Uh, in a business, in a military, in a family, there are not favorites, but everybody has different roles. So, uh, a general has different training than a captain, yes, than a lieutenant. Baseball player, different training than a football player. And so Jesus had a specific training for Peter, James, and John based on their calling, but they were not favorites. He just gave them different training. Um, they had a particular way, not a more favorable way. Does that make sense? Of being trained. The same thing you would see in a, in a pastor and his family and the staff and the leadership in a, in a congregation. Again, military receives basic training. Let me just throw this little nugget in there because this might help somebody in your daily life. Um, Many times people will see um, an individual around a pastor or a leader or something and and say, well, that person, they're special. They're in the little in crowd. Uh, I still don't know what the in crowd is. Um, And they're part of the clique. And they look on the outside. Nothing, Let me just say nothing is ever what it appears to be. And if you want to know what it is, ask that person, not somebody else. Or you will perpetually stay misinformed. Uh, you like to speak for yourself, so does everybody else. And so they'll say, I'll find out later. And this is not current, this is years ago. Well, so-and-so was around you all the time. We just thought that if we asked them advice on something, they would give us good advice. I said, so-and-so was around not for their approval, but for their, for their improvement. Right. Yes. They were tied to my apron strings. Did they have a position on that? No, they were just around you all the time. I thought they were the in crowd. Yeah, well, your life went down the toilet because you asked the wrong person. People sometimes are tied to our apron strings because they're going over the cliff. And if I can't get them mentored and trained in a big hurry, it is Custer's last stand. So I don't know how everybody else works, but when you see people in pastor life or or even around the world overseas, they're there sometimes because God has asked them to help us as the final thing. And many times even we can't succeed. But it always looks ugly when we're doing that because we'll bust you one. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not running for popularity. And like I told my son, Josh, when you're going over the cliff and I grab your arm, your shoulder's going to get dislocated and you're going to be mad at me and it's going to hurt, but I saved your life. So sorry, your shoulder got hurt, but saved your life. It's not personal. Now get back up here on the cliff. We'll put your shoulder back in socket and let's go forward. Okay. When people are in that place, God sends somebody as their final rescue. So if you're looking at people or you're looking at your boss, maybe as an intern, it might be a, a, a uncle or cousin that was on their way to, jail. You don't know how many calls we get every month for us to let people do their probation here. No, ma'am. No, sir. We are not running a halfway house here. And so, um, I understand that there is a great need for that, but that is not the the, the call of this body and that's not what goes on here. But people want somebody they can attach somebody to because their life is a disaster and they think if they can get them around you, the the principle is biblical. If you can get around that right association, but it only works in the church when somebody wants to, (laughs) not when the law is making you. Because then we have compliance on the outside and defiance on the inside and that does not work. So uh, be careful what you're looking at. We're not smart enough to judge things by what we see in our natural eyes. If you really think you have the right to know, want to know, at least ask the person. That uh, if you feel you need understanding, most things are just the Nunya clause, none of your business. So, yeah, <clears throat> you, we can move on from that, right? Okay, so the church did not have the luxury of losing one of their key leaders. So, uh, leadership, whether it's the pastor, and of course, I'm specifically more talking to you as a church congregation, but would these things not apply to your family and to your boss? Pray for leadership. How about our president and politicians? Uh, God did not ask you to be in agreement with them. He asks you to pray for the leaders. He didn't ask for you to have an opinion about them. He didn't ask for your judgment of them. Because if you were qualified to judge, you'd be in their job or above them. And since you're not, you're not qualified to judge that position or what is or isn't done. It's no different than being an armchair quarterback from your living room, telling the quarterback what he should have done. And you're not out there getting crunched on, getting your brains beat out. You go out there and get your brains beat, beat out and your ribs kicked in. And then you can say to that quarterback, like the rest of his team members, you should have. Since you're not on the field, you're sitting in your recliner with the Coke and the popcorn, none ya. Mind your business. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Uh, you don't have, in other words, here's the rule where you just talk. You got no skin in the game. You got no mouth in the game. It's real easy. Yeah. To have that opinion. And uh, it's, it's not helpful. So pray for leadership. Don't talk about them. Bless them. You're going to have to fortify yourself with the word not to be used by Satan to attack leadership, whether it's your boss. Here's what some of these people do. Well, they talk to other people about what they don't understand. I don't want to gossip or anything. You know I'm not a gossiper, but you know, I don't understand why pastor did this. You have just tried to reframe the word gossip. It's called slander and libel. When you send it in a text, it's called libel, which holds up even better in a court of law for you to be sued because you were on that line for the S sign for going from mouth to putting it in print when somebody could take a screenshot of it. Okay, everything's forever that you say, spiritually, and especially when you put in print. So if you really wanted understanding on something, you'd ask the person. Well, I wonder why the mayor made this decision. Why don't you text the mayor instead of putting it on the neighborhood app for everybody to jump all over like white on rice? Yeah, that's that's so depressing, that app. It's, It's somewhat informative, but it just makes me wanna knock people's heads together. So uh, that, that's something that we have to watch, talking uh, with your coworkers about a decision that's made by a boss, talking with uh, congregation members about a decision that, that's made by leadership. To their own master, they rise and fall. And since we're not their master, we don't need to touch them. When you touch God's anointed, it's to touch with your mouth, not your hand. You wouldn't dare walk up and punch him in the eye. If you did, James would take you out. <laughs> but um, we, we, we slap and we kick and we spit with our mouths. And so uh, that's how Satan is getting the reach over us. And why are we talking about that? Because everything you sow, you reap. And so we may not be able to figure out, why is this not working? Why am I, I'm sowing, I'm tithing, my finances aren't working. Where is he getting the reach over you? Because what I'm sowing into somebody else's life, it's a boomerang. Boom, it rang when it hits you upside your forehead. And so if stuff is flowing, sewage is flowing backwards, downhill back into your life, there's a reason for it. And a crack kills. So we're looking for those things that Satan is getting a reach over us. And a lot of times when you think you're on fire for God and you're walking with the Lord and you're doing the known will of God as the best you know and Satan's still getting a reach over you, you want to shine the light of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we're doing today. Where are those cracks? We want to know where the cracks are. We don't want to put caulk and duct tape over them. Caulk and duct tape doesn't work for almost anything. So that's God's favorite tool. Well, if caulk don't work, we'll just duct tape over the caulk. And we'll prime and paint that. I'm like, hmm, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, pointing out flaws. Uh, uh, and, and I'll bring up, Kayla and I were having a chat, and I was uh, talking to her uh, about how she could be a blessing to her pastor. And it was probably a different conversation than she imagined. She didn't know the questions to ask, but I knew the questions and the answers. Um, And most people got, well, you said you need to be cleaning, so I'll clean. There's far, far more to it. Let me just tell you what's not a blessing to a boss or a pastor, because I've been in business, I'm still in business, and and we we pastor here. So I'm not always just talking about the church, because your life is out there in the workplace too, Um, to bring an attention to your boss of a need. They're not ignorant. They already know what the needs are. And so on my desk is a stack of POs from everybody's department. Everybody needs something. Everybody wants something. What an employer or a boss is looking for or a leader is someone who will solve problems, not inform them of problems. Like they're not aware of those problems? Yeah, we're aware of the problems. What we lack is the budget or the person or both to solve it. So when you come to my staff meetings, if you have to bring a problem you think I don't know about, you better have three solutions. And one of them better include you. Yeah, not, <laughs> not my time and not my money. So that's what I was telling her. I said, you don't go home full of a bunch of ideas of things for Pastor Phil to do. Because he ain't going to like you anymore. Yeah, because he's already tired about the things that people won't pay for and won't do in the church. He's not unaware of what doesn't need to be done. So uh, you want to be a person that refreshes the soul of your boss, refreshes the soul of your pastor. I'll tell a story on my sister. Um, Her... Obviously, when you go on vacation, your coworkers kind of do your work for you. right This is kind of an understood uh, policy that when you go on vacation, they make up your work, and when they go on vacation, you kind of suck it up, and we're a team, right? And so this is just what we do. Apparently not in almost any company because uh, people went on vacation and Melanie had extra work to do in addition to to her workload and didn't think anything of it or say. Her boss calls her up and says, I just want to say thank you for being such a team player. Here's a bonus. And she about fell over. Now she'd been believing God. No bonus written in that you could qualify for or earn in this area. And then it happened another time or three times. unheard of. Okay. So, in other words, your boss will rewrite policy for you, because I rewrite it all the time. Yeah, and so it happened again a few weeks later. I just want to say thank you. I thought nobody else must be doing a thing at your job. In other words, what is normal and required of her is now considered excessive and worthy of bonus, but God doesn't see it that way, so don't expect God to pat you on the back when you were doing what you're supposed to be doing all along. That's called character. You can join me Friday night, and I'll help you with that. Um, Just make sure you wear your steel-toed shoes. (laughs) I'll save you one out of nine toes. Uh, so, uh, Satan attacks us physically, financially, spiritually, but he goes from person to person. So Satan looks for the carnal. So if he can't get to a leader, uh, because they fortified themselves, he will get to the people around them. And what he'll do is he'll just keep visiting them. And so that's what we have to teach our staff here, but you should understand that at, at work too. Um, if, you're the man, if you're the assistant manager, you're the next target of your peers. <laughs> don't think that they like you one minute and you know, you know what that's called, right? Okay. Uh, and so you have to fortify yourself to not be the one that gets used. In other words, don't be ignorant of his devices. Say this with me. Satan, Satan. You're, not me you're not using me to attack leadership. This is why he wants to use you. It doesn't hurt leadership. Whatever you say, make it your size because you're going to wear it. Yeah, your words have no bearing on pastor. Now he can get discouraged, but God can pick him back up as long as he stays in the will of God. But everything that comes out of your mouth, you wear, so make it your size. Your boss too. Your words, your boss's self-image is not based on your opinion or your words to him. Um, But your pink slip or lack thereof will be. Amen? Amen. So this is why Jesus is trying to help us. Satan's reach is to get us to do things. It's all harming us, just like the little dimes. That's for your blessing, not for God. So we don't want Satan to get the reach over us because he's interested in stealing, killing, and destroying from our lives. So everything you're doing is coming back into your life. So you want to make sure that you want to live with that harvest and you're sowing good seed. Amen? Amen. So carnal uh, people um, are not doers of the word. Carnal people are are governed by what they feel. Spiritual people are governed by the word. So uh, God is looking for spiritual people. You know, let the word give you your self-image. Amen. Stop asking the question, who am I? Right. That question doesn't belong to you if you're saved. It's the wrong question, so therefore you don't have an answer. Let me give you the right question. It's a, it's a double question. Who is Christ in me? Who is Christ through me to others? That's it. You don't ever have to ask who I am. Because Jesus said, it's no longer you that lives. It's Christ who lives in you. So you, the question of who you are has been answered. You are a little Christ and there's nothing better to be. So Christians, you are not permitted to have a self-image problem. After today, anybody within the sound of my voice in the podcast won't because you know you're not permitted. So move towards who is Christ in me and then who is Christ through me to others. Your identity is now serving Christ through serving others. Identity crisis solved and we didn't even need to take an hour. Yeah. So if the enemy cannot get to the pastor directly, he will choose those around him to to fortify him. Jesus uh, was under personal attack 40 days and 40 nights, was he not? Uh, His family, Jesus' family, were they trying to pull him out of meetings? Jesus he's in the middle of preaching and they're like, Jesus, your family wants to see you. That'd be like me preaching right now and one of the ushers coming and tell me one of my relatives is in the foyer. Well, take a number. Yeah. And so uh, Satan was even using Jesus' natural family. How many of you experience that Satan has used your natural family as a distraction for the plan of God in your life? Amen. And then you heard somebody preach that family is first. That's only a partial truth. Jesus said, who are my mother? He has stopped and addressed it. Who's my mama? Who's my daddy? Who's my brothers and sisters? He said, you all are here doing the will of God. Not who I'm related to. The DNA of water is not thicker than the blood of Jesus. This is my family. Now, I love my natural family. But if my natural family does not choose to follow the plan of God, I still have to. I don't love them any less. I don't respect them any less. But they are not before God. When, uh, before we even were pastors and were in Bible school, before we even went to Bible school, my family had sometimes occasions, uh, and they were, uh, maybe on a Sunday or other times. I remember one time, uh, the pastor had called a six weeks prayer and we had, my parents had scheduled a vacation out at the beach and we said, Hey, we're going to stop by, let ourselves in because we did everything there with the key and we're going to pray for an hour and then we'll be with you. So when Dinner is on Sunday. We'll be there right after church. Amen. Yeah. It was and they weren't trying to pull us out of the plan of God. They totally were with that, understood that. So your family might have things going on, but they understood. And, and so it, people say, well, that's because you're pastor. No, this is before I even went to Bible school. I just understood that if I served God with my whole heart, that my family would be the beneficiary of that. But the moment I would say, I got it. I'll be their savior and start doing what they wanted me to do because I thought I could meet their need. Because we were like, well, you need to go be a good influence. Yes, being a good influence is not me turning around and coming over here with you. It's you going, hey, come on, come with me. Let's go this way. Walk, let's talk while I walk. That's why I say to people a lot, walk with me. Tell me that while I'm walking. We're going somewhere. We're going where I'm going. If you want to go, come with me. I'm not going where you're going. Big difference. Is that love, honor, respect? Yeah. And one time when um, Pastor Josh... Uh, the easiest place to backslide, I'll just tell you, is in Bible school, okay? Because Satan's not going to work harder. He's always going to take you out in your infancy of spiritual growth. And so, uh, Pastor Josh gets sent down here to go to Bible school, and he's living with my mom and dad, and he finds, you know, who he thinks is, is to be, you know, Mrs. Joshua Myers. And so, he asks us if we were in agreement with that. No, we weren't in agreement with that. Well, this is a pastor's daughter, and that means what to me? Yeah, Nothing. And so um, just knew it wasn't the plan of God. And so went through this for nine months and um, let him know at the end of graduation, we were not in agreement, hey, not a love issue, just going to walk in love with God. He was like, well, you don't love, no, I love God more than you. And he's like, mom, I've never asked you for anything. Close to the truth. Okay, this is a male Mary Poppins we're talking about. Practically perfect in every way. (laughs) That's because Pastor Josh just watched John do a lot of stuff. And so he thought, "Mm, yeah, not too smart going that way. <laughs> and so um, he said, uh, "I've just, I'm asked, the one thing I'm asking you, you can't do. I said, Josh, that's because you're asking me to choose you over God. And I can't do that. I said, I can't do the mama thing. I do, I do love you more than life itself. And I would give my life for you. But Jesus has to be first. And when you come back, I talked to him the same way that Jesus talked to Peter. When you turn back, I'll be right where you left me. So I'm not the one that's moving. I'm not the one that's leaving the plan of God. You are. And it was a couple months later. And, um, and this is not, he's not the only relative. This has happened on more than one occasion. Your relatives, even well-meaning, will try. Try you. Test you. Try God in your life. And um, you have to be the anchor because if you move, and think you're going to do the helpful, the love thing, the mama thing, the grandma thing, whatever it is, then you will sacrifice the only life preserver they have when they want to come back. They won't trust you either. Because when you weakened and gave into your emotions, now you're not trustworthy. And I knew that he had no one else. So I had to stand there brokenhearted. Yeah. Did that hurt? Like I couldn't even explain to you. Would have rather had my arms sawed off with a dull butter knife. Uh, and if you're a mama, you understand. Could, would you have changed anything, taken their place? Absolutely. But what can we do? Everything to stand in the will of God when you don't understand. So two months later, he calls me from the, the back seat of the car with his dad and his brother. They're on the road again on another trip. And he said, Mom, I just want to say thank you. Because the whole thing, the whole family blew up to Kingdom Come just a few months later lost their church out of the will of God, got expelled from Bible school. Thank you for not compromising for me. I thought I loved you. I love you more than I ever had, and I trust you. You know why that was so important? Because it wasn't the last time he guessed wrongly on the girl. We had another one to go through. And then after that, he's like, I don't think I can hear the voice of God anymore. And I said, son, let me just tell you, God said the third one will be the right one and you will not make a mistake. So when you don't want to stand and you have to stand, if you're trying to help them, that's the only way you're going to help somebody that you're related to because you got to stand when it's painful because when they wake up and come back, you're it. You're the life preserver and you better be standing there with the goods, with the word of God and with faith, and you'll be able to help them. And so he's married to to Kate, and so uh, you got the right one, baby. Uh huh, yeah. And so uh, doesn't mean you won't go through testings and trials. So uh, where were we? Jesus' family thought thought he was off, didn't they? They thought he was crazy. The whole town he was from was offended with him. That happened to you yet? Your whole family think you're crazy. Your whole hometown offended with you. We're getting close. No I'm just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, not, not, not even close, yeah. You know, John Wesley's wife was his heckler in his meetings. His wife heckled him. Catherine Coleman's husband was the one opposing her. Uh, and so people are going to knowingly and unknowingly oppose the plan of God in your life, even if you think you're just called to go to Bible school, whatever. They're going to uh, be a part of Satan getting his reach over to distract you. How about your boss all of a sudden saying you have to work on Tuesday nights when that's class? You need to do a pushback with your faith. You need to know where to be, to be applying your faith uh, so that you're furthered in the plan of God for your life. Be willing to let your family be mad at you sometimes. Uh, he works through people closest to you to get them offended. Let me tell you this. Anytime you're offended, you're in unbelief. It's a two-sided coin. Anytime you're in unbelief, you're offended. So if I become offended, I just lost my faith. The proof that I didn't have faith is that I became offended. Vicious cycle, right? Because offended people are not faith people, and faith people are not offended people. So we don't have to be offended at the things that people are doing in our life to cause us distractions. We can walk in love, but we do have to continue to walk on. Jesus had staff issues. They were human. Uh, uh, Judas was stealing from the till. He had heart issues. Uh, Peter and John were always in competition with each other. You know, where they, who's better? Who's going to sit? And then even um, James and John's mother decided that she'd do the mama thing and come to Jesus and ask for positions for her sons. <laughs> so Jesus had staff issues. Jesus had friend issues. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Did Martha start accusing him? That, he was, that was his best friends. If you'd have been here, and now on top of it, now that you're here, you're not even crying and upset. People get mad at you when you don't act like them. Well, you're cold-hearted. You better be glad that I'm stable right now because the only chance that you have of pulling out of this is me giving you a spiritual smelling salt slap across your face to snap out of it. Two-year-olds kick their parents in the shin. But adults that are spiritual don't kick at the person that won't fall on the floor and roll around and cry when they call as a relative die. What we're going to do is do this right now. This is how we're going to answer with the word. Spiritual people don't yield like carnal people do or natural people do. Yield to their feelings and yield to those thoughts and yield to the emotions. It doesn't mean they don't think them, that they don't feel them and they don't have them. They just don't yield. So don't accuse somebody you're looking as strong and start then dogging them for their strength, thinking they're cold, you're a Vulcan or or whatever. Um, When pastor sent me down, he was in the... uh, had a car accident, and uh, sent me down uh, to check on Rafal, the gentleman that was in ICU that they said was not going to be doing well or making it. Uh, on the other floor, I made it down, uh, not that evening, but uh, the next morning to check on him. Um, I had to keep myself in check all weekend. Even when I went to the hospital to, to see pastor, I knew I would have my own relatives in that room and their relatives in that room who were not spiritual. And that I would need to be strong enough to minister to all of them when it was them that should have been ministering to me. So I had to get ready, handle the kids, the staff, and everybody inside, not just natural things, do this, do that, do that, but emotionally, praying the Holy Ghost. Uh, Be ready to serve, not be served, even in a situation where I might, might have needed the service. And 20, 25 people, you need to comfort and counsel. And so uh, dealt with that in the, the lobby and then the next um, day. And, and Pastor and I love you all, no different than our relatives, your family to us. So when you hurt, we hurt. Uh, some of you are like parents to us, grandparents, many age children. And so uh, all, all these kids, they're our kids. We call them the kids. And so this family, we love dearly. And I had to go in there and see what the condition was, what the doctors were going to say. And I need to be able to be a blessing. The last thing they need is me breaking down. Well, that's helpful. The pastor's discouraged. This must be really bad. Yeah, and so um, I went in that room and assessed the situation. It didn't mean I didn't have thoughts and didn't, didn't have feelings. What are the needs uh, of the wife? They've got the two babies in there. One, one, The baby was only, I think, 19 days old at that time. And I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to figure out. And he was incoherent because they had the trach down his throat. And um, I could tell that he re- recognized me somewhat. I'm familiar with medical things. And uh, so I grabbed his hand the same way that pastor would have. See, men, men do hands like this. Hold your hand up. This is how men do hands, okay? Women do hands like, you know, and touch you like. So I, I grabbed his hand like this, so that, because I told him, Pastor has sent me. He knew who I was, but I grabbed his hand representing Pastor so we could have a point of contact. But he couldn't talk to me. And he was writhing in pain, but I also knew by the spirit that he was in a feedback loop of the accident because they hadn't let him, let him come out of his medication yet. So, he didn't know. He, I could tell he felt like he was still in that car accident over and over. So, he's a fighter. So, your personality is going to come out. Some people are very somber. They're going to lay there and other people are thrashed. So, they had him strapped down. So, you're strapped down. You got stuff down in your throat. You can't talk. Uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get peace into this room. So I said, I didn't know which method he'd respond to. So I'm holding his hand and I'm talking to his wife. I said, do you have a Bible in here? Okay. So we're going to do three things. We can sing, we can read the word, or we can pray in tongues. And one of these is going to connect to him the best. There's not a right or wrong. So I began to sing and you know, I sing in the key of O for Al. That's not the point. You can't do anything about it. Uh, Just wanted to see if, cause like I was raised where my daddy sang hymns and rubbed my back at night so that maybe can decompress my spirit man, even if my body wasn't coherent or my mind. Uh, And so that didn't work for him. And then we started to pray in the spirit for a little bit and I'm watching his body language. I've got my hand in his and I can, I'm going to be able to tell in the spirit and in the natural, if there is a peace and a decompression because the spirit man's fully awake. And even though he can't communicate with me, he's with me. I could tell he's with me. And that wasn't the best thing either. I said, okay, open your Bible and start reading. Now, I found out later that, that, that this gentleman had had the, the earpiece from his phone in his ear listening to the word and our podcast day in and day out all day long. If I'd have known that, I'd have gone right to that. So that was the solution. So he stopped thrashing and he decompressed. So I was able to give an instruction. Now I'm here, got to take pastor home, got everything covered. This is what you do. You put the word on a recorder, and you play this 24-7. Three days later, they said, you're not going home. He was at church Sunday morning. Okay, so uh, the enemy may have his devices to get a reach over you, but the word is your answer. You're just going to have to put press in and seek God for that. Amen? So he's going to work through those closest to you. Is Satan going to be able to ruin your life by a stranger? Was Judas a stranger? Okay, it's going to be somebody close to you. It's going to be somebody that would hurt you, not intentionally, but if something happened to them, hurt you. Uh, really, if you cuss me, it's not going to matter. I'm, I may not even notice, which is very irritating to people. Um, but you cuss my kids, <laughs> woo, or you do something to pastor, I am going to struggle with that far more than me. How many of you are like that? You mess with somebody that I love is so different than, than if you mess w- with you because you're just like, okay, whatever. So when somebody is close to you, there's far more damage. So stop being overly awed that, that God wants you to get offended with your church brothers and sisters because they're going to have a greater effect on your life. Or, or your coworker in your next door cubicle that you think you're stuck with till hell freezes over, you know, and they just they're on your last nerve every every day of your life. So pay attention. We're talking again about devices, family, friends. Uh, don't be a carnal and accuse leadership or your boss. Be accusatory or pastor. Uh, when Peter did that with Jesus, Jesus rebuked him and turned his back on him. He said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." didn't call Peter Satan, he was talking to the spirit that's behind the man. And then he turned his back on him. Kind of like, I'm not playing here. I'm not even going to continue this conversation. You're a stumbling block to me, is what he told him. What was, what was he helping Peter or being mean to Peter? But if pastor said that to any one of the congregation, I'm not sure you'd be here next week. But you know what? That'd probably be the best day of your life if he thought, if he thought he could trust you enough to say it to you. Because when he said, when he sometimes when I've pushed for something, and I'm preaching to me as much as you, uh, I've pushed for something that I didn't realize I was pushing for, and then he'll be like, "Well, do what you want." That's a really bad phrase in my life. I know most people would skip to the loo, my darling, and think they got what they wanted. But when I hear that, I know I have crossed the line, that invisible line. And I immediately stop and go, no, that's not the answer I wanted. I see that I've pushed and worn you down, and you've given in to that. And that is never what I want. So let's just forget it, back up, erase, regroup, stop. You just pray about that then I automatically deem myself as wrong. I don't care if I did think that that heaven's open, Jacob's ladder descended, and I had a vision from God that he needs to do. I'm wrong. Immediately. Fully. Totally. Back up the bus, Gus. Do not push past that. Um, You can't silence Satan, but you can quit listening. Answer it right. A leader is looking for those who will run with his vision. Take your faith and use it on your problems at home and bring some extra faith for others. Your boss is looking for you to come to the table and meet their vision, not for you to come with all your ideas about how everything should be done differently and better. Okay, So a pastor is not looking for your vision and your ministry. Pastor, you need to start this ministry because I think we need a good idea. If he hadn't talked about it, then it's not the plan of God for that local body and certainly not at that time. Vision comes from the top down, not the side in or the bottom up. So he stated vision in this church. We're clear. It's written everywhere. It's on the website. It's in our brochures. Even for a connect group, we print vision all the time. That's the vision. That's what we're running with. If it's not in the vision, it's because he's not called to do it. And so we don't need to think, oh, he, he must have forgotten. Or God sent me here to do it. Plow and cross grain. Tearing up the field, the field's going this way, and you're going that way. Find out what he's asking for. What is he asking us to help with? What is he asking us to fund? What is your boss asking you to help with? What is your boss asking you to fund? And do that. And don't give him any, again, give any other ideas unless you're asked. Hey, your boss says, what what do y'all think? You know, sometimes people are like, they want to paint the break room. Not my break room, it's your break room. You buying the paint? Yep. You painting? Yep. Okay. Knock yourself out. Yeah, but you want to change the break. Oh, you wanted me to buy the paint. You wanted me. No, that's not a good idea then. Yeah. <laughs> so at least if you have an idea, make sure you offer to fund it make sure you do it and make sure you do it to his standard. Yeah. Excellence. Yeah, and he doesn't have to hire somebody to fix what you just did because that's, that's not a blessing. Uh, this is helping you, right? Yes. Helping you in your home, helping you in your workplace and most importantly, the house of God because this is the center of our lives. Um, The supply that God gives you, the talents, the gifts, and the abilities God gives you are for you to create a supply in your personal life and bring that supply to the church. Whether it's to to have a business and a great idea or a gifting, so you can bring the supply to the church. And every person has a supply to bring. So what if I say all of a sudden, I need a meal. We need dinner. Not going to find that in myself, I assure you. So I'm I'm thinking, okay, first thing I'm going to do, first thought that comes to mind, I'm going to call Miss Tammy. I want a home cook (laughs) meal. (laughs) <laughs> call, call Miss Tammy. Okay. Because Miss Tammy's going to cook and I can do dishes like nobody's business. Let me just tell you. And dishes don't bother me. So we, we have a marriage made in heaven here. You know, well, that's just the two of you. Well, let's say that somebody wants dessert. Won't be me, but somebody. I'm going to call Miss Dina because there's nobody making dessert like she's making dessert. Now we got dinner, we got dessert, and we got the dishes done. Well, is that all that we need? Some people go, "Yeah." Well, that's because you're so narrow-minded. You can look through a keyhole with both eyes. (laughs) Who's going to set the table, Christy? (laughs) I call Christy. Christy's on her day off. Can you come down here and help me uh, whip out this breakfast? We have an RMI, RMAI breakfast. The the morning—I mean, two mornings after—we're in spirit. Pastor has a funeral, and I have a breakfast for ministers in this building. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not that we didn't prior proper plan. There was no room left for any more planning. So Christy's like, what you doing? Taking a day off? You want to come down here and help me? Sure. (laughs) It's only going to be 30 minutes, uh, 5.30, and we left at 10. Whoops, sorry about that. But I did get her. (laughs) I did thank her with the pedicure. And uh, so Christy's going to decorate the table. You know what? Everybody's going to want to see this on Facebook or Instagram. Who are we going to call? Jen and Andrea. Okay, so we need, we need the fun. We need the social media, right? And you know what? I really, because I'm going to be doing dishes, I really need somebody to get the front door that, that's just, you know, Southern hospitality. Who am I going to call to get the front door? James. Kayla Walton. No, see, Jen, they'll never get past the front door if we have James. See, you need to recognize people's gifts because he can talk the wallpaper off a wall. And so we... <laughs> James is in charge of hospitality once they get to the table, okay? But see, this is why you need to properly discern the body. So Kayla's going to get the door, and sweetheart, glad you're here, usher you in. And uh, James can talk to the guys out out on the back porch while he's flipping the burgers. And so... uh, And then let's say I need the house cleaned before I even have this dinner, and Lord, well, I need it cleaned afterward. Who am I going to call? Jeff and April, yeah. And so, in other words, what I'm showing you is we all have our gifts and talents and abilities. And let's say I'm thinking, I'm going to invite the whole neighborhood. Who am I going to ask that's going to be perfect at going door to door, knocking on strangers doors, and be pretty and perky while doing it? Michelle Casello, yeah. Uh uh Michelle. And so, We are one body and one company, and this is what what Satan, one of the things he tries to get a reach over us is he tries to, you listen to him going, well, you don't really have a part, all the parts are done. It was, one guy was with us three years, and uh, on his way out, he said, well, it just looks like you had everything covered here. I said, you hadn't listened to a thing we said for three solid years. Yeah, it's probably good that you go, because you're hearing impaired here. Um, Go somewhere where they have hearing aid help. Because we're pretty clear that we're always talking about the 50,000 things that need to be done and need to be paid for as of today that aren't done and, and, and not paid for. So how many of you guys have heard us talk about those things? You could probably list a good 10 right now today off the top of your head. pastor said we need to buy this and do this. There's 10 right now. So is every job filled? No, it's that that you want somebody else's job because you looked at something and you thought, well, that was more fun or that was more better and bored. Like I could say, well, I'm just so inferior to Miss Tammy. She cooks and and, and I don't cook. Or what if I said, you know what? I'm better than Miss Tammy. See, what we do is we fall into the sin of comparison. Comparison is an evil, wicked sin because it steals your destiny. Only two consequences are available to you pride or inferiority, and God's in neither one. And so the biggest reach Satan will get over on you. That's one of them. You compare yourself. Well, I guess there's nothing for me to hear do. If you lack something to do, come talk to me. And in 30 seconds, I will give you a list that'll make your head go 360 degrees and blow up off the top of your neck. And you'll be sorry you asked. (laughs) Because it's all up here, baby. I always tell my boys, "You, you sitting down? Yeah, what part of, what else can I do? Did you not get? So that when you finish asking your boss, the next thing you say, what else can I do? 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 And so it's hard to leave a conversation where like, and what else would you like me to do? And what else would you like me to do? And what else would you like me to do? So there's no such thing as nothing to do or a place that you can't fit. What you have to accept is what, it, what are you and what are you not? And that doesn't mean make excuses for yourself. Oh, I'm not a kid person, so I don't do nursery. I'm not a kid person, but I have not only done nursery, I have done zero to 12 all by myself in one room and wrote the curriculum, bought the snack, prepped the room and cleaned it up. And then I didn't know that that was burnout. Yeah. Didn't know that that was not what was normal. Happy to do it because it needed to be done until the person that was, I guess, called came and relieved me of duty. And then I did, wasn't relieved of duty. I just got 20 others. Yeah. The reward for a job well done is more work. That's what Psalm says. And you thought it was money. Hmm? Read your Bible. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so Acts 6-1, and we'll close with this, because I know you guys are hungry for some lunch. So we see that Satan tries to get a reach over you through distracting you, causing unsettlement, complaining, offense. Uh, And you know what? A lot of the men are gone, and I would say honestly, uh, and being a woman, I can get away with this. It definitely is more of a women issue. How is it? Calm down, ladies. Take a chill pill, whatever you need to do. Calm down. Yeah. Um, You don't take your unsettled, agitated self into your workplace because you'll be fired for that. But how many of you bring your unsettled, agitated attitude into the church and want to complain and whine about the cleanliness of the building, the children's department, what else needs to be done because you just want to be agitated all up in here. Um, There are days when... uh, Like everybody else, I'm human. I'm agitated. I I struggle. I have to come in here on Tuesdays and work with the staff because Monday's our suggested day off. It is just a theory, not a reality most of the time. (laughs) And we're really working to prep for Tuesday. And uh, I may be struggling, but I don't come in here with a bad attitude and all unsettled and stuff. I, I school myself hard. They may be able to sense stuff and they're merciful to me. They know if I'm struggling a bit, I may be really tired or really under getting some things done, but I school myself hard not to bring that agitation in here going, well, I'm agitated. I'll just go by the church because the church is there to cure me. No, I know the church is here for me to serve, not to be served. And because I serve it, it does serve me. Because I come to sow, and whatever I sow, I reap. I come in here and sow pithiness, agitation, strife uh, with with somebody else, or just like Pastor said, stinky. Which you medical science has proved that we can feel you ten feet away. Are you feeling me? You are feeling me because it's proof that I can feel your emotions ten feet from your physical body. Um, and so we want to. Whatever we're bringing in here is whatever we're. Uh, so we brought our faith. We brought our finances. We didn't come here to get cured. We we. Let me just say this, pastor and I don't go out and we don't work on Saturdays after about four, if at all humanly possible, unless there's life and death merge, and we don't go out on Saturday nights, not even for a date. Shut down so that we're rested. But let me just tell you, we're doing that before I even went to Bible school. So pastoring, ministry, Bible school, we made that a role as Christians. We wanted to be refreshed to serve. Saturday is your Sabbath, not Sunday. So whatever you're doing Monday through Friday, finish it. Saturday is your day of rest, but shut the thing down. Shut your life down so your mind is decompressed. We go to bed early, watch whatever, rest, get in your PJs around whatever time that is because we're getting ready to start the first day of our week, bringing a blessing to God and the body of Christ so that we might receive the fullness and then pour out on others all week. This is not a pastor thing. This is a Christian thing. So we're all paddling in the same boat, right? going towards the rapids. So Ephesians 6.1. In those days, the number of disciples were multiplied. There arose a murmuring. So the number one thing that will cause uh, the multiplication and the growth of a company, a church, a family, is you murmuring and complaining. Now, how does God feel about that? If you have never read the Old Testament, he is more than once opening the ground and swallowing people for complaining. Pretty strong. So I used to tell my kids that. You didn't complain. At the table, you didn't, you didn't complain about anything in my house because it was loathsome to God. Complaining is the height of ingratitude and dishonor and disrespect. If you don't like it here, you will live somewhere else. And so God would literally open up the earth because the Israelites would complain and murmur. He'd done everything for them. And he would swallow them up because he just didn't want to hear it. And <laughs> you're like... So every time you get ready to complain or even think it sounds like complaining or somebody tells you you're complaining, no, look down. (laughs) And if you're next to that person, jump out of the way. (laughs) James 3.16 says this, where envying and strife, there is confusion. There's instability and disorder and every evil work. So Satan has to find a carnal Person, a person that's not self correcting to cause strife and division in a home, strife and division in a workplace, and strife and division in a body. And sometimes we we may not even recognize it. And uh, the next verse tells us how to shut it down. What does it say? The solution was from the Holy Ghost when this happened. The apostles went to prayer and they asked the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost said, Choose seven men full of the Word of God, not part, not empty full of the word, full of faith, and the Holy Ghost to take care of this business of these people, to get their benevolence, to get their needs met, to get the nursery painted. He said, choose the men. We're gonna study and pray, and you guys are gonna handle each other. But the qualification for the person solving the problems or what we call the business of the church, to vacuum, you had to be full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, full of power. Stephen the deacon, Stephen the vacuumer, Stephen the dishwasher, Stephen the diaper changer would stop long enough to pull you out of a wheelchair. Okay, you good? All right. Oh, your eyes are blind? There you go. You see? Oh, you have a tumor on your foot? No problemo. That's how our life is to look. So the pastor can spend time studying the word in prayer. So that's what it should also look like in your home or with your boss. You got a problem there? No problem. Joseph had, a, they had a famine problem and they, they had to ask Joseph. He had a dream. God's like, he's a problem solver. So if you're in line with God, if you're a Christian, you're a problem solver, not a problem creator. And you're also not a problem informer. Well, I'm just so smart. I can inform everybody of what's wrong all the time. Wow. Aren't you a blessing looking for a place to happen? Now say, I'm a problem solver. Say, as a congregation member, I will never do anything except bless my congregation. As an employee, I will never do anything except bless the leadership. As a family member, I will never do anything to compromise or distract my family, family. from the plan of God. God. I will always be there there. to to strengthen. All right. So stand with me. And this is what I feel the Holy Ghost wants us to do. I want everybody to come forward and just line up in one long line across. Just together, get in one long line. He always shows me what to have you say and do. You can just scoot this towards me a little bit. You don't need to put it. So that um, when the word goes forth, if you don't immediately agree with it with your mouth and do something about it, by lunchtime, you won't remember even the title. So that's why I'm like, why do you always have us do these little exercises? They're biblical exercises for the food to get down in you and you to keep it, for Satan not to take it from you before lunch is even out. So God always wants you to open your mouth and agree with it and and do something so it it stays in you and now you can eat on it all week. So hold hands with each other. Because what we've talked about today is uh, not letting Satan get a reach in our life to use us to distract from our own call, Through complaining or murmuring, or uh, through uh, distract other people by our lack of watchfulness, so. We're going to take a moment, close your eyes, and we're going to repent. I'll pray a prayer. If if we have participated in that, because myself included, I have been knowingly used of that and even unknowingly used. It doesn't matter whether it was a sin of omission or commission. You knew about it or didn't know about it. So we're going to, first thing we want to do to get refreshed is always repent. So we'll repent. And then I'm going to have you pray for the person on your right or your left. Because if you don't sow... Uh, into someone else's life through prayer and their needs getting met, then you can't reap in answers, amen? Okay, so I'm going to pray, and you just agree with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful. Don't repeat after me. Just agree with me. We're so grateful for your word today. And the entrance of your word has brought light and life into our path and into our lives. And we receive this word with gratefulness and thankfulness. Father, and we repent where we have failed to perform this area of your word in our lives. Whether we have known about it and fallen short, we ask your forgiveness, Father. Thank you for a fresh start that you are strengthened us and that we may get up today and we will try again. And Father, where we have not known, where we are being used of Satan, we thank you for the light of your word that it now shines on our path, and he is now exposed, and there is no darkness in our life, and we will no longer remain ignorant of these devices that he will not get a reach over us. So Father, we thank you that you're faithful to perform your word in our lives, and we repent of everything we've done or things that we've not done that you've asked us to do. And now through our repentance, we receive a refreshing of our spirit, soul, and body, and that we have Walked up to light today and not drawn back to it. In Jesus' name, now you pray in English or in the Holy Ghost or both out loud for the person next to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift our voices for our brother and our sister on the right of us, and we sow prayer and strength into their lives, Father, asking you to strengthen them in their body this week, in their mind, and in their heart, Father, that they will be strengthened in all areas, that they know they can do all things through the Anointed One and his anointing in and through them, that their arms are strengthened for the task at hand. Their mind is not unstable and feeble. They have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to them that gives them the answers they need this week for relationships, for family, for jobs, for business ideas and promotions. Father, what to say when they need to say it, what to do when they need to do it. We strengthen and undergird, Father, and we sow this into their lives that we would reap prayer for ourselves, Father, that our prayers may be answered. In Jesus' name, we bless our brother and our sister on our right and our left with the fullness of everything you have for them. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a
1: blessed week and remember the best is yet to come.